how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. In today's episode, we talk about seven simple habits of highly successful YouTubers. Also today on the episode, we're going to be talking about Bobby Altoff, the creator that seems to be everywhere since her interview with Drake. We're also going to be talking about how to make a good creator event. And if you make it to the deep end, we are picking and announcing the winner of this signed Mr. Beast Feastable Bar from our last interview with Jimmy. All right, let's get into it. All right, our first question comes from Ramses, who is the meme king of our Discord. If you're in the deep end channel in our Discord, you've seen them. Okay, so Ramses' question is schedules and habits. He basically goes on to talk about how he's approaching his 30th birthday. Uh, he has adult commitments and he also wants to explore his creativity and be a creator, um, but trying to figure out how he balances his schedule and how he creates habits. This question spun us and, and me specifically into thinking about five habits of highly successful creators that I wrote down. We will address the question of, you know, I guess personally how we think about our schedule and, and, and our habits, but it is a really important thing to think about as you're getting into being a creator. So I wrote down five. Should I go through them? I wrote down four, but I only like three. So okay. we'll get to five in total. That are good. Okay, I have five that I'm confident. That you're confident I'm in all super five. Super confident in all five. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with three. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go for my five. These are five habits of highly successful creators. Um, a lot of creators that we've talked to, been around. Um, this is what I boiled it down to. Okay, the number one habit that I wrote down is simplifying everything. I find that so many of the successful creators that we're around have simplified so much about their creative process, their life. Um, an example is uh, Marquez Brownlee. When we went to go to his studio, we started talking to him about all the different opportunities he had and how many different things, you know, he could do. And he was like, listen, here in my studio and what we're doing here is we're just going to be the best video production studio we can be. And he focuses on just making videos. It's an incredibly simple thing. Um, and he just like boils it down to that. The second person I wrote down was uh, Ali Abdal, who was just on the show. And he simplifies his content into a list. He's like, everything is a list. And the third thing uh, I wrote down was that Jimmy, the last time we were with him, he talked about how he's gone through this kind of evolution of landing now at his life is all about the main channel, Feastables, and working out. He simplified it down. Hmm. So I think that that to me is like, any times I've, rec anytime I've recognized that we are out of that habit of simplification, it's typically affecting our schedule, right? If we do anything overly complex, if we don't have like set rules of here's everything needs to be simple, then we it gets complex and everything kind of breaks. I'd agree with that. I think simplification leads to focus. Mm -hmm. All of the top creators that we've interviewed have an incredible sense of focus and discipline. That was my number two. Dis number two is discipline. Discipline in process. So- 
that was the second habit. Um, where like the example is you always hear creators go like, come up with the title and thumbnail first before you make a, make the video to have that discipline is a whole nother thing outside of saying it out loud. Right. Ryan Trahan is a great example. We were just with him. He does not move forward and he works on designing the thumbnail with his team before they even have the camera on. Like that is serious discipline. Um, he has a notion document with like all these ideas and, and thumbnails. You know, you look at Ali Abdal, who we just had on the show too. When he was talking about it, he was like, his team makes the title and thumbnail. He doesn't like to do it, but he, they make it before he can film. And I think we know that and we talk about it, but it's something that we need better discipline in. No doubt about that. Yeah. The other person that I wanted to talk about was Tim Ferriss on uh, brand deals. When he, he, in his process, he's like, I have to try the brand and test the brand before I talk about it. That's incredible discipline. Um, and to have that discipline in the process creates credibility, reliability, consistency. So that habit of like, I'm disciplined in my process. My third, which goes in line with discipline is one habit I've noticed that like not only successful creators, but entrepreneurs and just successful people is that no is their default. And I actually think like saying no as your default is a really interesting habit to adopt. It's like, no matter what it is, the answer is no, unless I'm convinced that it's a yes. Yeah. It was Thomas from Yes Theory who said, yeah. if you say yes to everything, you're actually not saying yes to anything. Right. And I, I think um, Ryan Holiday, if, if you go back and listen to that episode that we did with him, he talks a lot about the value of saying no and getting good at saying no. Um, talk about He talks a little bit about too, like you don't have to respond to every email that's in your inbox. You, you can live by your own, you know, craft, what you are focused on. He even took it a step further of moving out of New York because he felt like there were so many things coming at him. Hey, do you want to have coffee? Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do that? Where he moved outside of Austin so that it wasn't even an option. He, all he could do was focus on the craft of writing. So I think like saying no as a default is something I would like to get better at, but like that is the third habit that I thought was like highly successful individuals all do that. So since I have three, should I share my three? Sure. Okay. So I tried to think about the creators that we've spoken to and have spent time with and think about what are things that they actually do in their day-to-day -day life. Like what is a, a habit that they have or even kind of a tactic. And when I thought about Mr. Beast, I immediately think about the fact that he takes walks and he will call mm. YouTube creators. Yeah and ask them to teach him something, Yeah, right? That happens to you. You get calls and all of a sudden we're on the phone with him mm -hmm. and telling him what we've learned. And alongside that, he also has his friends who are creators roast his videos Yeah, at all times. Like if whenever we've been there, if there's an edit up on the screen, he's like, get in here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell me what you don't like. Good. So that's one habit is that he goes on walks. That was my four. That's not walks? No, I put studious in their own industry and various industries and disciplines. They mm. do not live in an echo chamber. That was one thing that like Jimmy also, when we were with him last, like he's, he reads books from outside of his, uh, outside of, you know, just the video creation industry, right. To learn mm -hmm. about entrepreneurs and businesses. And, um, I found that like, sometimes you can think that you want to study just inside of your own industry. Like you need to study everything about YouTube, but actually studying outside of YouTube is what Totally. Really changes you. And so developing that habit of being studious or even like that, I love that, the going on walks and calling. That's a good one. He does that all the time. That's a good, that's really good. Okay. So another one I have, this is 
I first heard about it with Ryan Trahan, but I now know that Michelle Carey is doing this too. And this is holding a weekly think tank mm-hmm. where they have trusted uh, advisors, friends, pitch them ideas. Mm. And I had just never heard of a creator sort of like taking the idea pitch process that seriously. Yeah. And getting a group of people, uh, whether it's like thumbnail experts, packaging people, script writers, getting a bunch of different people together and having them pitch you once a week. Yeah. That's something that I think mm-hmm. tangibly you can do as a creator is like think about who are your creator friends, who are people yeah. in your circle. Uh, Obviously, these people are like compensated too. Like they're actually putting mm-hmm. money towards idea generation and holding these think tanks. Yeah, it's good. I would say that's kind of similar to my fifth one, which was athlete mentality. I think I've noticed that every highly successful person we've been around has the mentality of an athlete. The first person to say this to us was Robert Kinsel, who was at the time the chief business officer of YouTube. And what Robert said to us is he said, I'm a work athlete, which means... He has to rest like an athlete, treat his body like an athlete, treat his nutrition like an athlete, treat his mental health, like all this stuff. You have to perform at such a high level that you can't be reckless with how you treat yourself. And I think that's a really interesting thing that all creators should think about. Like, I definitely do not think I treated myself like an athlete in my 20s. I was like, it's totally fine if I work through the night. It's totally fine if I eat pizza you know, all night before I go to bed. Like just That's not fine. Is that think of yourself as like, you need to go play like a top level professional sports game so, at all times. So pasta at night. Sure. You could carbo load. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. I mean, don't go crazy with it, but I think, you know, thinking of yourself as an athlete, especially yeah. with rest, like rest is something that LeBron James credits so much of like his performance to rest and sleep. Mm -hmm. And so I think really listening to how athletes treat themselves and realize as a creator or creative, you have to have that athlete mentality to compete at the highest level. Yeah. The majority of of creators uh, who are at the top that we've spoken with have figured out the form of working out that they, I don't even know if they enjoy it, whatever, but like that they can commit to. Mm -hmm. All of them have like, whether it's like running or hitting the gym or boxing, they have that figured out. They've started to take diet more seriously, sleep more seriously. Yeah, the the last person I wrote down was uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who obviously we haven't met but or interviewed, but he did an interview with Tim Ferriss where he talked about carving out uh, 45 minutes every day to write. And he was like, I can't do anything else, uh, but I, I don't have to write, but I just can't do anything else. I sit with a pen and pad. And to me, that reminded me of like athletic training, right? Of just like, if you're, if you're going to be a creative, every day you have to invest in the craft of being a creative. And- that to me is like training like an athlete. It's mm. like, if you're playing the NBA, you're going to go out and shoot. And uh, what Marquez said to us about this was like, if you want to make it as a creator, similar to an NBA player, the guy who's going to make it is the one who has fun shooting hoops in the park every day, because that is how you work on the craft. Mm-hmm. And so the equivalent of that to being a creative is like writing you know, ideas, working on editing, like whatever that craft is every single day, you have to love doing that. And you have to set time aside to do that as if you were an athlete, you know, working on your craft. So hopefully some of those habits help. I would say like tangibly when the question is like schedules, I find this really hard to do, like to navigate the adult commitments, the family obligations with being a creator. Um, But the one that I'll pick out, my number three of like saying no as a default, super hard, way easier said than done, but it might be one that you adopt 
is like, I really need to create a value system to figure out why I say yes to something so that I have more time. Hmm. That would be in my number one. And then read Atomic Habits. Such a great book. Uh, teaches you a lot about habit building. Another one that's coming to mind right now is uh, when we sat down with Thomas and Amar from Yes Theory. And Thomas said that instead of necessarily evaluating the performance of the video, the viewership, he evaluates the process. Yeah. Which I found to be really insightful mm -hmm. that if the video didn't perform, it most likely was because there was some part of the process, uh, a box that wasn't checked. Mm -hmm. And even when we spoke to recently Zach King, we did a creator roundtable, which we're working on right mm -hmm. now. First time we've ever done it. And Zach brought up something where he said, every video idea I have has to hit this check mark mm -hmm. of can this be watched in 10 years? Yeah. And I think that's like a part of his process mm -hmm. that uh, I think we should start thinking sure. about too, especially for the main channel. Yeah. Are we doing something that can be watched and is adding value 10 years from now? Or is it just like a quick conversation about what's happening in the moment? Yeah. I think that falls into discipline and process, like mm -hmm. committing to a process and being like, this is how I do it. It's so easy to get outside of that box. It's so easy. You're just like, well, this week I'll just do it a little different. It's all good. I don't have the thumbnail. No problem. We'll, it, we'll figure it out. We always figure it out. Like it's so easy to get outside of that box. Discipline in the process is like so incredibly important. All right. If we missed any other habits, if you guys picked up any from our interviews, I saw there was a website that someone posted on discord of like all of our episodes summarized. Uh, it was super cool. I don't know where that is, but it was, it was great. If we find it, we'll link it. Um, I found it interesting. I clicked into the dream episode and I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is really well articulated. Wow. I think show notes is something that would be really cool to develop mm -hmm. for our episodes. So you can go back and reference like, what did this person say about brand deals or what did they say about their habits and their schedules and routines? Speaking of habits, schedules, and routines, we ran a film fest in discord mm -hmm. about uh, basically how it worked weekend film fest. If you've never heard of it, we used to do it a, a while ago on Twitter and now we've brought it back into our discord. We offer a prompt, a creative, you know, essentially assignment. And the assignment was to create a 60 second video, um, that showcased a day in your life. And, uh, the entries are just so great. You only have the weekend to do it. You have from Friday to Sunday. So it creates this constraint. Um, they're so, so great. And I loved seeing how people like evaluated their days. Um, the last thing I'll say about schedules and habits is one time you and I did this. Do you remember this? We filmed, uh, a week in our life yeah, to match that against the goals we had set out for us. Mm -hmm. We were like, are we actually taking enough action every day? Are we working efficiently towards those goals? And you don't have to film it, but it might just be writing down on a piece of paper what you're doing in the morning, like afternoon and evening every day, and then matching that against your goals and being like, all right, does this make sense or can I cut something out and replace it? Yeah. In that instance, the goal was to be, uh, to make a documentary film. Yeah. And when we started filming our week, we realized we weren't really going to see documentaries. We weren't watching yeah. documentaries. We weren't studying. We weren't looking for stories. There were just so many gaps where it was like, oh, well, clearly, if we're not doing anything on Monday, totally. we didn't do anything on Tuesday, you know, those days are going to add up and yeah. we will not end up making a documentary. All right. Second question. Well, I guess to close that, go to the Discord, check out the Weekend Film Fest tab, watch all the entries. They're great. We will be announcing a winner very soon. And the winner is going to get two tickets to Vid Summit to come hang out. Okay. This question comes from the Publish Press. Bobby Altoff is everywhere all of a sudden. How did this happen? Who is she? 
I've watched a few of her episodes and I don't really get why she's so popular. That is probably the question of the world right now. She is constantly trending on Twitter. Her clips are everywhere. If you don't know who we're talking about, how do you explain Bobby Altoff? So Bobby Altoff uh, has like three to four million followers on TikTok, was mm -hmm. primarily making like mom content. Yeah. And then, you know, when I first learned about her, I'm sure it's when everyone did, is when she uploaded a long form podcast with Drake. Yeah, where it was, we, she is essentially, she's in character. Yeah. And it's very similar actually to Amelia de Moldenberg and Chicken Shop Date, where she is in a character that is uh, uninterested mm -hmm. and kind of like snarky in the guest. And there's that tension there uh, that has been shared virally all over of like, oh my gosh, here's this Drake interview yeah. where the interviewer is not interested. Yeah. It's like the anti-interview. Yeah, she did, she, she, when she uploaded the clip first, cause like it, it, she just uploaded a clip to TikTok of her and Drake in a bed doing an interview. You and I were in London at the time and we were like, what the, what is this? What the hell? We got tagged in it a ton because people were like, Colin and Zemir, what, what is this? Um, I had no idea. I couldn't believe this person got an interview with Drake. Funny enough, we were with Amelia de Moldenberg uh, later that day and, and, you know, no one knew about Bobby Altoff. It was just like, yeah, who is this person? Yeah. You know, in February 2023, which is earlier this year, she she wanted to make a podcast. She wanted to create a show like How I Built This. That's a show about how people build their companies, but she wanted to do it in the, you know, the between two ferns, Eric Andre style. Like this style has been done before. She offered $300 to people who could connect her to celebrities to get on the show. So she had a, she had Colleen Ballinger on the show, uh, the ukulele yep. apology, Miranda sings. Sure. Um, she had a comedian, Rick Glassman, on the show. And those early episodes are really, really awkward. Like, truly awkward. She came up to LA and did those. Um, and I don't know how she jumped from that to Drake and Offset and Tyga and Mark Cuban. Um, no idea. Lil Yachty. Lil Yachty. Like, no idea how they made that jump. But- there was a lot of speculation that she is an industry plant, meaning like Hollywood has been like, we're going to make you a star. Like, we're going to just do this internally. We're going to figure this out. She's represented by WME, which is one of the biggest Hollywood talent agencies. Most of the talent that's on her show is also represented by WME. Um, there's a lot of speculation. Most recently, after getting 10 million views on the podcast, she deleted the episode with Drake and all the social content with Drake, as well as unfollowed Drake and Drake unfollowed her. Who is Bobby Altoff? I don't know. <laughs> the question remains. Uh, is that the story, though? Like, is the story of Bobby Altoff, who is Bobby yeah, Altoff? Exactly. It, right? So I wrote down some notes. Like, I don't see many people dissecting the interviews no. outside of, like, a clip here, a clip there. The majority of the conversation is just, who is she? Where did she come from? How it, is she doing this? It's a fantastic marketing campaign. Like, how... Who, it does feel more strategic than, like, oh, yeah, like, I just wanted to make a podcast, and here it is, because... You know, she she did this run of episodes that really brought her into the limelight. And most of it was through clips. Like, most of it is people clipping the show. So her face is everywhere. Everyone knows. There's the girl that's next to Drake. There's the girl that's next to Offset. There's the girl that's next to Tyga. Um, and she, right after that massive run of episodes and, like, just tons of viewership, she went on the Today Show. After she went on the Today Show, she went on BFF. She went on another podcast today. Like she's on a podcast tour. Then the week after, she deletes the Drake stuff. You know, like she is 
there is some strategy here that's happening. And the one important note is that she has said that her goal is to become an actor. That is an important note. There's something happening here. But what can we learn from it? That's like, that, like I don't know. I don't want to make any speculations here about industry plant or What's not. significant about the actor comment? Because if you wanted to become an actor and someone is your agent and they're like, how can we, how can we build your brand big enough to get booked on a movie? Mm. And they, they got commission on that, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of incentives there to be like, how can I get you a massive role on, on a movie? What's a really out of the box idea to do that, to grow your following? Yeah. The, to the, grow your just general name, like Bobby Altoff. Like, we all know this name now. Yeah. And if, if it was announced in December that she got cast in a movie, everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that girl who did the interview with Drake. Yeah, what's remarkable about it is the lineup of guests. Mm -hmm. That lineup of initial guests for a podcast is without a doubt reserved for someone who's already a celebrity. Yeah. Like, it's just it. Like, you, a celebrity launches a podcast. They have other celebrities on the show because they're a celebrity. Right. Like she, this she, is the network they're a part of. These are their friends. It's unheard of, really, that you would have someone who's yeah. never had a podcast before launch a podcast with these guests. She went to the Variety Young Hollywood party. How does it happen, Samir? I'm, I'm telling you, man. How does I, it happen? To me, it's just really good marketing, and there's really sophisticated marketers involved and PR people involved. Because uh, a week after you know the the podcast run, or maybe four days after the podcast run, she went to the Variety Young Hollywood party was fully styled by a celebrity stylist, was photographed by a celebrity photographer. Like, there, it, it, you just don't learn about all this stuff within a matter of weeks and just have it activated immediately. You just don't. It's just, I don't know. It's just not something that happens. So, okay, I wrote down some notes about what I think a lot of creators can learn about this, or at least what my my takeaways are. Number one, it's something I say all the time, but I think this is super important. The world glances, it does not read. What I mean by that is we all know the surface level. Bobby Altoff is next to celebrities. She books incredible celebrities. I have never listened to a 60-minute or 90-minute episode of her podcast. And I've had conversations with tons of people about Bobby Altoff. None of them have listened to a full episode. So the substance of what is in that podcast does not matter as much as the concept of that podcast. Yeah, it feels more like a stunt than it does a podcast. Exactly. Like listening to 58 minutes of her and Mark Cuban is is unlikely. If she ends the podcast tomorrow, it did its job. Yeah. From a publicity standpoint. Yeah. She can move on to something else. It's you don't get the feeling that this is a long-term podcast play. Yeah. Um the story of something is oftentimes better than the actual thing. Um, and people connect to the story of something more than the actual thing most times. And this Drake thing, I think, is great. It's a story about a thing, not an actual thing, right? Like, she didn't create something. She created a moment through this story of deleting the show, unfollowing Drake. Like, that is sophisticated marketing to think about. Like, we didn't have to make a new piece of content. We can actually make headlines and trend on Twitter by just doing this thing, like deleting the episode. And you're making the assumption that it was done for marketing. No questions asked, man. I, I, I it's like, it, there's just. What if there's real drama there? No, nah, there's not. It's just, it's What impossible. if Drake like didn't want to be associated? He thought it was cool at first, but then she brought in all these other nah. guests. It became this thing. No shot. I don't know. No shot. That is a moment that they've created. A very wow. calculated moment. Um, so I think, but I think as creators, it's important. It's like when you're about to do something, what's the story of that thing? How are people going to talk about it? 
Um, is it remarkable? Is, the, is it worth making a remark about? And everything she's doing is worth making a remark about. It's worth talking about. I wrote, network is everything. Relationships are one of the biggest parts of your job as a creator. I think that might be one of the most overlooked things in our industry is that to, to be a successful creator, especially entering this next chapter of the creator economy, relationships are everything. Whatever relationships she has or is building at the moment are really supporting her rise. And sometimes we can think that like work is editing or work is, you know, just reserved for working on videos or working on the craft. But part of the craft is building relationships because they can lead to things like this. They can lead to collaborations. They can lead to um, strategy. They can lead to ideas. They can lead to so much. And I think building your network as a creator is, is it's almost as important as, you know, building revenue. Like network is so important as a creator. But we don't know historically what her network has been like. No, we don't. Like we don't know if this has been long-term relationship building or if it's Not just been happened very quickly post-Drake. Sure. I don't know, but I'm, I, I know that network matters in this context. For us and our show, networking has led us to most of our episodes, if not all, right? But it's taken a long time. I just don't. That's too what many I'm gaps, man. There's too, too many, many gaps. gaps in the story. Too many gaps. I don't get it. Uh, does anyone know who Bobby Altoff is? Someone tell us. Because, yeah. Last thing I wrote down was manufactured scarcity. Manufactured scarcity is a really smart thing to do um, in, in any business. In terms of taking the episode down? Yeah. Because what she did, when you manufacture scarcity, you create a craze amongst the audience, right? So by taking down the Drake episode, you have people uploading the thing in full, and it's way more fun to watch now that you know she took it down. She created it, scarcity, right? She created this moment of like, wait, it doesn't exist. We need, to, we need to make sure it exists. And now clips from it are even more viral. And like, now the the story of it is a clip from the deleted Bobby Altoff Drake interview. How much more exciting is that to watch than a clip from the Bobby Altoff Drake interview? Once you add the deleted, there's something to it that's just like I just hookier. can't tell if this is a meme moment or if this is a long-term career creator. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I look at it and it's I can't tell so many things. The, the news cycle moves so quickly. People trend all the time, and I can't tell right now, and, and time will tell, what does this look like? You know, like her podcast rose up the charts so quickly. Yeah. Are we now looking at like a new stable podcast? Is there even no. such thing anymore no. of like that happening that quickly? Probably not. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, I could be wrong. Uh, Bobby, if you want to come on the show and have a chat, let's do it. Explain yourself. Okay, speaking of clips and short-form content, YouTube made a significant feature change over the past week. Um, they announced that URLs in shorts will no longer be clickable. That is dramatic because of sponsored shorts. Ah. Right? So that changes the dynamic of sponsored shorts now. You can no longer put a link there. What you can do is you can link a short to a long-form video. That's also significant. Which I think is... Could be really exciting, especially when it Could comes yeah. to when, podcasting. It's, especially when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. Because like the thing though that I would want in that uh, feature is if someone else clips our show, can it auto link? You know, in yeah. the same way that you start seeing with YouTube shopping now, like sometimes when Marquez is talking about a product, a link will show to that product. Um, that is, you know, there, there's a world where that is building into affiliate income, which is really cool. Um, 
I wonder if you could do something like that with like almost affiliate income for YouTube long form. So imagine like, mm. we're like, Hey, everyone clip our episodes, right? We won't claim them as long as they're done through this process. However many views you bring back to our episode, you get a share of YouTube pays you. Yeah. yeah the yeah. AdSense revenue. Imagine that like affiliate for YouTube. I mean, it would be great because a lot of times the most viewed shorts from our episodes are not made or published by no, us. They are not made by us, which we, is fine, yeah. but it would be great. Yeah. If someone could watch that short and then click and watch the original video. Yep. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, technically, I guess you can create a short using YouTube's tools. Yeah. And it would link. Yeah. But there's, but, very, but there's so much more skill that comes from people like actually downloading the episodes, uh, yeah. editing them the way they want to and uploading them. Yeah. There's no incentive to do, to, to use, use YouTube's tool. clipping tool totally. and remixing tool yeah. at all. There's no incentive. I, it's be way more efficient to download it and cut it in Premiere and re-upload it. So if there was some way to like connect the dots there, I do think that would be pretty significant and really cool. Um, cause yeah, we have, we have clips that are out on YouTube that have 19 million views that we did not upload from our own podcast, but the links, uh, being non clickable, I, I do think is significant for sponsorships and shorts. Cause that is that, that means like click the link in description is no longer a CTA, right? Mm -hmm. It's no longer a call to action in in sponsored shorts makes the case for TikToks and Instagram reels and it means that more like brand lift campaigns happen on YouTube shorts than suggestions of like direct link outs. Yeah. I wonder if YouTube eventually will add some sort of functionality. Maybe it's not a link in the description, but some way. Well, I think they'll have, I think probably what they want is in-app linking. So like even the YouTube shopping button that we have, you're, you're doing most of that in app, right? You're viewing product and purchasing yeah. within the app. Um, the link back to long form is in app, right? So like when I'm on a YouTube shorts experience, probably what they don't want is linking out to a completely new website. Yeah. Leaving the environment. Sure. Makes sense. So. All right. This question comes from Tom, the taxi driver from across the pond in London. Hey, Colin and Samir. Would love to know your guys' thoughts on introducing compelling narratives to relatively normal topics. I have a format of video on my channel where I share my working day as a London taxi driver. They get really good reach, by far the most successful regular content on my channel, but the retention sucks as I can't find a way to integrate a story other than, what job will I get next? Meaning like, who will I pick up next? I'm very concerned about my hard work and efforts hitting a plateau. I respect people's decision to click and I want to ensure they get as much value from the video as possible. Love your content and gutted. I couldn't be your exclusive driver whilst you were in London. That would have been nice, Tom. Um, interesting. Is that the question? Like he's like picking up people and he's like, what's the other narrative inside the taxi? Other than who am I going to pick up next? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, these videos do pretty well. I'm looking at his channel right now. Can I see one? Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's Tom, a taxi driver. And you're going to join me today for another shift video. I'm in Bayswater and we've got a pre-booked job. We're going to take to Heathrow Airport and we'll start from there. Let's go. Okay. So just from watching the beginning of that video, I think there's an immediate issue. What am I getting from this video, right? Like all I'm getting so far is that I'm going to come with you on the shift and you just got a job to go from somewhere I don't know to the airport. Let's go. 
Yeah, I'm gonna need something else. I'm gonna need something like, else. Yeah, like a, like a foreshadowing yeah. of an interesting conversation you had, and or you s- wouldn't believe what happened. And or, where? Yeah, or and along the way, we're gonna try every coffee. You know, like something has yeah. to keep me going. Uh, unfortunately, like day in the life of a, a taxi driver is one video. It's not a series. It's not yeah. a series. I might be interested in like, what does your day look like mm-hmm. if you drive? You know, a cab in London. What does that look like? Interesting for one video. What's great is you have a set. A consistent set yeah. with this added variable of different people coming into it. And as long as those people are interested in being on camera, there are so many great shows that have taken place in cars, yep. even in taxi cabs. Like, yeah. Right. There's all types of what's the game show in uh cash cab. Yeah. Exactly. Trivia in the cab or yeah. interviews. Like there's there's multiple things you could do to make it a little bit more interesting. So something that we call dual narrative storytelling, where it's like the first story is that I'm tracking is your life as a cab driver, who are you gonna pick up next, where are you gonna go next? That's a mildly interesting story. It relies heavily on like, do you ask everyone one question? Like, what is it? What am I looking for? What if people don't want to talk or anything, right? The second narrative has to be the thing that keeps me. And great examples of dual narrative storytelling are um, like hot ones, right? We've talked about this before. So, okay, you have an interview show, plus they're eating hot wings that are getting spicier and spicier, plus Sean's questions are like really, really compelling as the interview goes on. Mm -hmm. You have so many things that you're tracking and waiting for that in this context, even in that beginning, I don't know what I'm waiting for. 10 seconds in, I'm out. Like all you told me is I'm going to go with you on a shift and you're going from here to here. It sounds like you've told us the whole story, so we don't need to keep watching. Exactly. There's, you have not earned my attention for the next 10 seconds. Think about what's the other narrative. What's it's the other It's great narrative? that you have a consistent set and you have one narrative. Yeah. And a world that people universally understand, mm-hmm. which is getting into a taxi. But there's got to be another narrative. Yeah. All right. This one comes from Discord. What makes a good creator-led event? comes from Phil hates gluten. What do you got? Um, what do you got a problem with gluten, Phil? You know, I'm in the process of planning an IRL event in my home city and wondering besides meeting your favorite creators, what would excite you about going to a creator led event? Or if you've been trying any sort of event or meetup, what was something that made going and maybe paying for a ticket worth it? Like, was it merch, food, community, music, Q and a giveaways, et cetera. Just trying to understand the best practices, what value I can bring in addition to meeting my audience in person. Good question. I mean, we held an event, mm-hmm. Coffee with Creators, and I think one of the most important things for me as someone who was hosting the event but also got to take part was the intimacy, the size. Yes. I think there were 50 to 60 people there, but we split up into groups of four in the beginning, and we got to uh, talk to each other and actually make some real connections in the group of four yep. first, and that to me was hugely important because before we even got into like the actual programming of the event, I'd already met and connected with those people. Yeah, what we did was we we brought on our friend Esteban, who's like an amazing comedian and, and MC, to actually MC the event, which was interesting because it was originally going to be you and I, but my thought was let's get a third party who can kind of get people moving in a different way. So we, we started not in necessarily in groups of four, but we actually started as a whole group where you had to like find a partner and it was kind of like a little campy, but I grew up, you know, volunteering at a camp that I just felt like this was a good vibe. And then we landed in those groups of four and that allowed us to deeply understand why everyone was there. That was, that was the most important. Like, why are you here? What can we do to make this a great experience for you? Um, people also applied to come to the event. So we had a really good sense of who was in the room, um, which helped dictate the value of 
what happens in, in the event. Sometimes I find like, what are, what are things that I don't like about creator events? One is like lack of clarity in programming. That's the mm -hmm. number one thing I don't like where I'm sitting there and it's like general broad strokes conversation about being a creator. It's like, that is that, that like, maybe that's good for someone else. Not good for me. Yeah. It's a misunderstanding of who's in the room. I don't think it's enough to just put people in a room who yeah. have a shared interest. Totally. There needs to be a little bit more direction than that. Extreme deep understanding of value. I would say all the exercises in our upcoming course would be good for you to do to like deeply understand the value that you are providing to an audience. Uh, was that a plug for our upcoming course? Absolutely. Of course it was. Okay. All the right. next thing when it comes to an event. <laughs> yeah. Swag. Stuff, Stuff we all, we get, all get. get. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some good swag. You think? No, you don't. Yeah. But we, we gave away swag. We gave away we gave everyone away who showed up. Yeah. Got a press publish hat. Yeah. That was cool. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I think value. Sure. Value and purpose. Number one. Yeah. But if we're going to have the, a number two. Yeah. Swag? Sure. Okay. I think, Thanks. I think actually Good. number one is curation of individuals, yeah. like who is in the room mm -hmm. and what's the, what's the commonality. Uh, number two is, uh, value, but also you driving the value. The first, the first creator event we did, which was at three, six, eight in, in New York, mm. you and I stood up and called out who was in the room and gave conversation prompts of why you could go up to that person and what you could talk to them about. Most people at a creator event don't know who to talk to or what to talk about, and they need prompts. So you have to get people talking. And that is, at the end of the day, that's what creates the value. If I went home and I was like, that was a really great conversation. I had fun. That's that's the makings of a great yeah. event. I think when, uh, when you keep an event somewhat small in size and you curate the list, like you were saying, you have the opportunity to call people out, which in my opinion is a lot better than asking everyone there to introduce themselves mm -hmm. and just go around for 10 minutes with like, tell me your name, what you do, and something interesting about yourself. Yep. Right? It's, we were the reason that people were there, and I think that's why it's better that it was on us to point out everyone and, like, how they could interact with each other. Yeah. Which yeah. not many people do at events. Mm -hmm. This question goes in line with the first question we got, also from the Discord from Kelly. says, how do you accurately quantify ROI to decide what you focus on? I'm, of course, only one person with 24 hours in a day. I have way too many things that I want to do, but little way to know what I should be focusing on in order to maximize the return I'm getting on my time investment and not all have all my eggs in one basket. How do you quantify the ROI? That's a big question for creators. Like, what should I do to make money? Really? Like, how do I spend my time mm. to make my money back? Yeah. I mean, we've had to like, I feel like we've shifted sort of priorities like, year to year, you kind of, you sort of always like have to reassess a little bit. The most important thing to do here is set a goal. Number one, you have to set a goal. That's a, that's the most important thing. Like the most, the, the, the way you get into like a nebulous, what do I do today thing is if you don't know where you're going. So the goal could be, Hey, you know what? I need to get to a hundred thousand subscribers. Cause that's when I can start monetizing your entire day should be built around that. Right. So how do I get to hundred thousand subscribers? Okay. I make better videos. So, okay. Should I spend time thinking of ideas? Should I meet with a think tank? Should I meet with other creators about ideas? Should I be designing thumbnails? Should I be like, what do I need to do to get to that point where my videos are getting more views? That was, I think last year, which was our biggest year of growth. We constantly set new goals every quarter, which helped us get and progress because then you, you self-evaluate on your day 
of are, do these things I'm doing help me get to that goal? Right. And if your goal is get a brand deal, right? Get my first brand deal. Okay. What are you, what are three things you're doing today to progress that? Are you calling other creators to say, how did you get your first brand deal? Right. Like it's really just saying, here's my goal every morning, wake up and go, what is the number one thing I can do to progress that goal? And then you can make a to-do list of everything else you have to do. I found that to be super helpful. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll hit a notebook and just go, okay, what's the goal? What's the number one thing? If I, if I could only do one thing today to progress mm. that goal, what is that one thing? Because a lot of times that thing takes a lot longer than you think. And if you focus on it, it will progress you towards that goal. I think sometimes we get in the world of like, there's so much to do and I'm on Twitter and I'm or X, I'm on X and I'm, I'm scrolling and oh my God, TikTok. Oh my God. What about this idea? What about that? What about this? And if you don't write that thing down, then you just kind of go throughout your day without doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're in this weird place of like, did I do anything today? All right. We have officially entered the deep end. You have any gripes? Uh, no, not at the moment. There was a gripe uh, in the Reddit about the discord. I saw that. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, gripe. I don't like the Colin and Samir Discord. You slash Commander J Money on the subreddit said, uh, I per I, this is a personal thing, but I find the Discord noisy. High level basically said, like, it's hard to, it's hard to jump in to the mm. community. Like, you'll send a message and it'll go unread. And there's a lot of channels. So it's a, it's a, it's a valid gripe. And I would like to ask the Discord community, people who are regular members and avid members of our discord community to make suggestions on how it can be easier to navigate or how it can be more inclusive community. Cause I, I don't want it to feel overwhelming. I understand that it can, there's a lot of people in there. There's a lot of things getting posted. I find myself in the discord, knowing the channels I like to frequent. Like I love the deep end. I think it's super funny. I'm rarely in general, only if I get tagged because general is pretty wild. Um, I love creator news. I think creator news is really fun. So I find my channels that I like to frequent. And then I like the forum ones, which are super well-organized, like thumbnails, video feedback. Yeah. We can thumbnail, film thumbnail feedback is one of my favorites yeah. just because it's fun. I like reading other people's feedback mm -hmm. for a thumbnail. Even if I'm not going to give it every time, I'm like yeah. learning from reading other people. Totally. Yeah, so I, I'd love to hear some suggestions there. Um, okay, there's this, uh, there's this Nielsen thing that's in our deck here. Um, which is called the gauge. It's like their total TV streaming snapshot. Basically from June to July, YouTube viewing on TV went from 5.6% to 10%. That's massive jump. And a huge opportunity viewing. for creators. Yes. To think about the fact that they are sharing uh, that, that real estate yeah. with streamers, with cable in people's lives that like people are sitting down on their couch to watch YouTube like that, How which used everyone, to be like social media. Yeah. You think about it, you should be reserved for like, Oh yeah, that's just on your phone. Mm -hmm. But now creators are really pushing into this space where it's like, no, yeah, I will create 22 minutes for someone to sit down and watch as if it's TV. I want to understand from the people listening and watching, how do you watch YouTube? Because the majority of the time I watch YouTube on my, on my phone. Like it is 99% of the time I'm watching on my but phone. Don't you also watch Netflix on your phone? Yeah. What's wrong with that? That feels crazy. Is that crazy? Yeah. Why? That's not what they like. I watched the whole untold Johnny Menzel that's, on my phone. That's so just like, like, no, I like don't. a tiny, like, what am I? 75 years old. I have to look that close, man. Like, I, like, no, I just put it on a big screen. It it's on a big screen. Nah. Comparatively to my hand. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so last night, though, I, I, I went home and I wanted to watch Eric's n- new video and it was 22 minutes. And I was like, you know what? Colin says he watches on TV. Let me try. Yeah. I opened the YouTube app and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is an enjoyable experience. It's nice. Yeah. 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 It's nice. It feels strange. I don't know why. It feels like I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing. Huh. Like, it's like, why is YouTube on my TV? That's how I would feel if I was watching like TikTok, TikTok on or like TV YouTube shorts or Instagram or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. But then I jumped over and watched um, like sports highlights, tennis highlights. And I was like, well, this just feels like it should be on my TV. Mm. You know, and I think this is like something about like the broadcast quality and yeah. like growing up at the time we grew up. But I do think like as much as last year was about short form content, to me, this year is about long form content and how long can you keep someone's attention? <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, how long can you make it? No, well, I, I mean, like, well. dude, I watched 35 minutes of a Sidemen Sunday on my TV last night and I was like, this is a TV. It's an hour plus. Yeah. I couldn't make it all the way through it, uh, but it was enjoyable to watch. I liked the the feel of it. It felt like an MTV show. Um, and watching it on a big screen, I was like, it's so interesting that some of the most popular creators right now are making really long content and it's being viewed. Like if you, it, I wonder what is coming first, right? Long content or viewing on TV? Like are people watching really short form content on TV? People just perusing YouTube on their TV? I don't know. I don't know. Either so, way, I think it's a good sign that watch time's going up on TV for YouTube. Yeah. It's a good sign for creators. It's a, it's a really good sign. Um, all right. I wanted to finish the episode by selecting a winner of this signed Mr. Beast Feastables bar that we got during the last recording of our podcast with Mr. Beast. So if you made it all the way to the end of that episode, mm-hmm. Jimmy delivers uh, essentially like a code yeah. that you have to write in the comments yep. to be eligible to win this signed Feastables bar. Okay, so I'm putting it into a random comment selector. I should probably screen record this, right? Okay, I am uh, using this random comment thing. Okay, I am not a robot. Oh, it already picked a winner. Who do we got? The winner is Zanoji. Sounds like a YouTube classic. (laughs) Oh my God, Zanoji has 1.1 million subscribers. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Zanoji, uh, I'm going to email you. You just won this signed Mr. Beast Feastables bar. Let me see the channel. Well, it is broken because we traveled with it back from North Carolina in our bag. So it is it is broken in the middle, but it is signed. It's a little smudged because Look, I grabbed it with wet hands. All but of the chocolate is still the, inside there. All the chocolate is still inside there. And it is the exact one that Jimmy signed at the podcast. So we will ship this to you. Wow, cool. Congrats to Zenoji. Zenoji, you are the winner. We will uh, ship this out to you. We'll send you an email for your address. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Creator Support. If you have questions for us, join the Discord. You can pop your questions in there and we will see you next week.